Hello, everybody. Hello, Matt. How are you? So we are. Ah, I'm good. How about you? I'm doing well. Yeah, good to see you again. It's been a little while. It's been a while, huh? Uh, yeah. So bad, you are the opposite of the Canada. This is how it is. So yeah, Canada in 2022. So welcome to everybody who are joining us for the live stream, daily live stream. We are always uh, live between 12 to 1 uh, for the Eastern time, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so today we have lots, lots of topics to cover up. Um, but in case or maybe if we are going to touch a subject that, um, as you know, like YouTube doesn't... I, like and can censor uh, we would change platform but i think today we are fine i think uh, we have nothing uh, that we cannot discuss on youtube especially like uh, when we think at dilcion 11 that's coming up um we're not talking now about it but um yes yeah, so you can follow us on youtube rumble super you and odyssey and as well getter so um if you don't want to follow YouTube and another platform, let uh, you free to go to another platform. If you want to chat with us, if you have like something that you want to discuss about what we are talking about, you can send us a super chat. Uh, so we will answer to all of your questions at the end um, of the live stream. And, um, and let's dig on what we wanted to talk about today. Uh, Matt, uh, how is the passport office in your place? Because here in Quebec is crazy. Well, I'll tell you this much. I was looking on Facebook Marketplace yesterday and I thought, you know what? Maybe it's time that I get a part-time job waiting at the passport office because people, <laughs> people are charging thousands of dollars right now to wait out, you know, for 24 or 48 hours, sometimes longer than that, you know, to get to get their uh, passport spot in time because people are getting stuck here. And it's, it's, I never, I've never seen anything like this in, in my lifetime. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I went there, I went to Montreal because I knew that it was the total cow. Uh, the day before I went there, I know that people have run rush run, like inside of the building. It was a complex Gifabo in Montreal. And um, so the thing is like people were claiming for a ticket because nobody was giving like number of ticket for waiting online. So everybody was like doing whatever they want. And so the police intervened, they came inside and they pushed everybody out of the building. And now people are stuck in the street. Like, wow. especially in the street day and night, they are sleeping there. They say like, I have an appointment, but I'm not trusting nobody because nobody told me like, I should go home. Everybody say, oh no, don't leave because you can leave, like, lost your place. And I saw people crying in my face, like, saying, like, we just lost our flight. It was this morning, we lost oh it. Goodness. And some people, like, was the night, that, the, the same day uh, at night that I was talking with them, and they were like, I didn't have ticket. They take 80 people per day, and they say, I'm going to lose my flight. I'm going to lose my entire vacation costs. And some people like that I was talking with, it was a group of five or six people. Uh, they needed to pay $800 each for change the date of their flight for the day after. Imagine, 
who will pay them like the cost? Because some of them have applied in April, um, mid-April or beginning of April, and they had the special date, like they had like a, right. the date in June to receive it, but it didn't receive right. it. So, um, so what do you do when you have an expecting date to arrive of your passport? You did your job, you apply on time, you pay your, your flight afterwards, and and you never like receive your passport and now you wait like outside uh and one of the night it was a pouring rain like i'm not kidding so a woman say like my 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 father that he has is diabetic needed to cover like during the night because i have two little children at home that cannot be alone and my my dad was sleeping there under the rain for waiting for me and since um, they were going to lose their flight, in same if they did that. Like what? What happens if they miss their flight? There's obviously no accountability from the government. There's no, you know, reimbursement of lost travel fees. And these are people who went out of their way, above and beyond, months ahead of time to to make this all happen. So, I mean, what's yeah. the government's excuse as to why things are so backed up nationally? I don't understand what the problem is. The, the, the problem is um, people are working from home. So we have about mm. 29,000 employees for uh, Canada services. 18 of them, 18,000 of them are working from home. And just in the province of <laughs> Quebec, it's 3,600 people who are still working from home. This is incredible. Ontario is about 6,000 and something. Um, I think the West is 5,000 and something. But imagine you cannot produce a passport with like really serious like confidentiality information from home. If they are doing right. that from home, I will like say, uh, I'm a bit scared for my private information if they are doing that from their place because everybody can hack the access of these information. Sure. So it's supposed to be like a central bank of data that they, they can have access from the office. But now what we can see is like most of the people are working from home. So, and, and one day, um, one of the, the people were waiting, they say they went out and say, oh, sorry, we have one of the printer uh, that is uh, not working. So we need to uh, repair it. But I asked them like, I say, uh, how many like printer they have inside? Two. Oh my goodness! Really? <laughs> so like it's like fifty percent like of the production was like down, <laughs> and I was like wow. nobody is doing oh anything. Like the federal should could have like like re resolved this problem. Asking people work from home to say you go back at the office and you work. People will work during the night and as well the weekend. So we will like do right. a bunch of working right now, solve that problem. And after that, we will get back to normal. But what they did, nothing. It seems like, uh, you know, the, the tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist in me can't help but think that all of this backup is intentional, you know, because once identification verification all moves towards biometrics and being digital well now you don't have to go to the passport office in person and now you don't have to wait in line and you can just send your eye scan or your, your your thumbprint through your phone and then you know pick up your passport so 
I don't know. It, it, it's really strange to see like all of our Canadian infrastructures just slowly decaying and, and breaking down over the past couple of years. And a part of me, sometimes I think it's just, you know, uh, uh, incompetence, but there comes a point where you have to wonder, like, is it really just incompetence? Because this is, in, this is inexcusable. Like our travel system in Canada has basically become the lapping stock of the Western world over the past, you know, six months, especially. So I really hope that we can figure it out, especially for the sake of these people who all did the right thing and, and need to get home or need to travel for work or whatever else. It's really tragic. But the only thing here is like the government knew that that will happen. Like with all right. the restriction left, with the travel restriction left for well, some of them because uh, our quarantine is still there for unvaccinated. Um, right. <laughs> but still, they knew that that will happen. And how it's work, it's like when you made a passport, most of the time it's good for 10 years or five years. So yeah. probably a bunch of people didn't make their passport that went to a hand at the beginning of the pandemic and through the two years. So every passport that going to end out of their time and now you cannot travel if your passport is just valid for like a couple of months, I think it's six months. So everybody in this all large scale of time that just realized in the same time, oh, we are going to travel because now It's summer, vacation is there, we can do it since, and we were not able to do it since two years. Okay, and everybody applying the same time. But the, the federal government should have known that it's coming up, and I, they probably right. knew that it was coming up. But the thing is, like, we know that the digital identity, as you say, they want to implement that in especially for Pearson Airport and Montreal Airport. And as we know that Air Canada is one of the partnership of this digital identity too. So at the end right. of the day, like the, like the airport say, oh, we solved the problem, but they can solve some of the flight, most of the flight, <laughs> of course that they solved the problem. But uh, the thing is like all these people are waiting online for having their passport, but it's not only the, the people who wait for their passport need to know that people are waiting for their, their visa to come into Canada are not capable right. to have it in time. So a lot of people are stuck in their country and say, uh, we are cannot travel in Canada because uh, we didn't receive our visa in time. So it's really bad for tourism and it's really bad for our economy as well. Who will mm. want to come to Canada anymore? I wonder that every day. <laughs> <laughs> But a lot of people wonder, like, <laughs> if the people waiting for their passport, is it for running away or for going to vacation? Right. <laughs> terrible. Yeah. And, you know, like, in, in La Presse newspaper, they were saying, like, oh, yeah, but uh, Passport Canada uh, are going to check for if your flight is coming up soon. Uh, so you will be prioritized and and uh Shouldn't they will they make doing like this a, from the beginning though but they like don't why do why just now i don't understand they, they, i don't know but they they are not doing it so i asked a couple of people do do uh the officer like come to talk to you because it's not um agent or officer that's from passport canada that come outside they are security mm. So security oh, wow. doesn't talk to people at all. You just ask them, right. if you are for, for your passport, you still wait online 
for people who have other uh, appointments for Canada services like paying tax or anything, but that's you don't wait. You just go inside with them. But yeah, uh, when it comes yeah. with the passport, you need to wait <laughs> online. But nobody uh, have asked them, uh, do you have a flight that's coming up? No. No, nobody came to talk to them. Same like the legacy media, I've been pushed out to record them and to, to report there. They have been pushed out of the office. And so something is going on there uh, that nobody wants us to report on and either like mainstream. So this is a kind of a hilarious uh, and outrageous uh, dark time i think it's a dark time when you you see like some some of the american people were walking in the street asking like what is going on here and when people mm. were saying like oh we are waiting for our passport they were like what yeah it's crazy it reminds me of seeing footage from like venezuela of people like lined up at the passport offices and trying to get out of the country but they can't it's like really bizarre to see that happening in canada but um if, yeah but if our it's if not our only canada that's true. That's true. But if our liberal government is, has taught us anything, you know, all we need is a little bit of international media coverage and then Trudeau will, will do a little, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll dance and do his doggy trick and he'll make something happen real quick and snap his fingers. But it seems like he doesn't really care what Canadians are dealing with. Or, and just again, it's just more of the same, you know. Because I, I saw that after posting a lot of uh, thing about the passport in Canada, a lot of people say, oh, in France is the same. Sweden is the same, but it's look like really? it's mostly G G seven country. Interesting. So like, what are they? What's the hold? What's the holdup? What are they trying to push through before they renew everybody's ten year passports? I don't know. But it's just interesting to see that it's not the third world country, or it's not, um, you know, small country. It's, it's really about the biggest like country as uh, France, Canada, Sweden, uh, mm. but Sweden is that big, but it, it's, it's a country that it's kind of, we, we, we talk a lot about Sweden and we did talk right. a lot right. about uh, uh, Switzerland too, because Switzerland didn't like join like all these restrictions and everything. So like, it's mostly about rich country, I would say, like really developed country that when we look at maybe uh, Colombia or um, other country in South Af uh, South America, I didn't say I didn't heard anybody waiting like that for a passport. Yeah, I mean, but probably uh... they don't travel as much. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So uh, um, it looks like. It looks like Trudeau just did another uh, interview with CBC Radio, uh, defending, of course, defending his vax mandates and the Emergency Act decision. This this guy can't take he can't take accountability for anything. It's like it's almost like if he feels like if he admits he was wrong about one thing, just one little thing, then you know the, there will be a, a crack in the patina that is this perfectly put together world leader, and everyone will see him for the you know the failed dictator that he is. And it's really it's really embarrassing, but you know. He leads off by saying, you know, Justin Trudeau says people who chose not to be vaccinated against COVID-19 must accept the consequences of those decisions, including lost employment and restricted access to transportation and other services. It was their choice and nobody ever was going to force anyone into doing something they don't want to do 
the Prime Minister said in an interview with CBC Radio's The House airing on Saturday. But there are consequences when you don't. You cannot choose to put at risk your co-workers. You cannot choose to put at risk the people sitting beside you on an airplane, Trudeau said before leaving for international summits in Africa and Europe. Leaving for international summits in Africa and Europe eight days after he tested positive for COVID, not even following his own restrictions. So I don't know why he was allowed to travel or leave the country, but I guess, you know, more more examples of rules for thee and, uh, and not for me. But it's really... Uh, Again, it's just this divisive rhetoric that isn't scientific and has been debunked by multiple governing bodies and scientific bodies internationally. But again, our, our prime minister just sticks to talking points and, you know, political ideology. And he just he won't take any responsibility for the damage that he's, he's caused to our national fabric. And not only that, he'd rather just not look at it. And it's really disgusting. I'm really tired of it, to be honest. I find that so like stupid when we see like you were wrong admit it yeah like it's it's only two words how like three words i was wrong you were wrong like what are you saying it doesn't make sense when we look like it me i always take that example for the traveling when i go to montreal i cannot take a train that is way more spaces way more like good for the air and you're not really close to nobody but you can, mm -hmm. you can take a bus a bus that you are like that with someone else the air is not really good and uh at the end of the day i have more risk in the bus than in a train so where's the science in this yeah and there is no i'm science. sure you it's cannot explain no period No, it's just punitive. And it's the same with the with the Emergency Act, you know, this flip-flop saying, yeah, we consulted with the police to invoke the Emergency Act and the police wanted it. And then, you know, police, literally the same police, they claimed they, you know, consulted on record saying, no, we, did, we didn't, you know. So it's just, uh, it's it, this, this article makes an interesting point in the CBC. It says he's taking on, about him taking on more divisive uh, traditions, there's a little bit of a Pierre Trudeau in his politics the longer he's in office, which meaning meaning now that he's been in there long, longer, he's more in, he's more willing to scrum with the media. He's not worried about being liked as much, um, which I guess we're, we're definitely seeing. But you know what? Like, if he was willing, and I will say, as, as someone who's obviously a very vocal uh, uh, critic of, of Trudeau and the liberal policies, Um, the thing that, that gets me the most is the gaslighting and how stubborn they are. If you could admit that you were wrong just for one second, okay, well, then at least that opens a window for dialogue and discourse. At least we can feel like we're meeting on an equal plane and we can have a conversation. And we can work through the issues that are facing our country together. And that instills mm -hmm. trust in our institutions. Even if I disagree with you, if, if I feel like you know, you're man enough or humble enough to admit that you were wrong, okay, well, then we can start there. But when you're not, and when you just double down on things that are obviously wrong, like, you know, have been, have been debunked and refuted and failed over and over again, issue after issue after issue. It's like, okay, well, you're not, you're not uh, a benevolent leader. You're a dictator at that point. Because there is, where, where is the democracy? You're going around the whole world talking about how we need to combat, you know, failing democracy in nation states. And it's like, you're contributing to it. You're leading that, that charge. So it's very... Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like, dark days. To talk about, for me, it's just 
losing losing more and more rights and uh, i think like yeah. what we get through the years we are losing it like slowly um just by example uh the trial uh the supreme court that just like um gave their v- v- verdict about joe and wade uh trial yeah uh this is mm-hmm. another proof of losing rights that we fight for it that supreme court have given in 1973 the right of the woman for abortion and now mm-hmm. they just lost everything um and i was just looking like a row row it was um a divorced woman who, who win the right of abortion in 1973 and and now <clears throat> i don't know what happened but the supreme court uh, gave the right to ban abortion and now we are talking about most of half of the state in the united states that want to ban abortion what is your thought you as a, a, a man about this yeah it's uh it's interesting because things are more polarized and divided than ever um traditionally the united states being a, a republic it works a little bit differently than than Canada does meaning uh traditionally the states are supposed to have more individual powers and because there's such a strong evangelical christian base uh was that are socially conservative in the united states and it's built into their fabric you know obviously there are some people who feel uh, male or male or female they feel that uh, abortion is 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 murder right um so the mm-hmm. question is what it's it's tough it's like it's one of those it's a it's a it's a it's a perspective on life where coming from it on opposite sides you're going to see things completely differently right um mm-hmm. and this is this is maybe not a fair example but i was on a missionary trip in uganda two summers ago and uh there was this girl there um so in in you in uganda um young girls are not very valued and the reason why that is is because a family will maybe have 8 to 10 children uh the women marry off so they can only afford to send one or two kids to school usually the boys because the boys go to school to get educated and they come back to the village and they work for the village raise money for the village and whatever else so it's very like 50 people in that community may be reliant on one or two people who go to school and then come back um so this this girl she was uh, one of the fortunate ones she was educated she was actually college educated and when she was in college um she basically got date raped by somebody that she was she thought was her friend and uh she decided to have the child and you know at at 17 years old I was asking her well you know why when you, when you had why would you decide to do that especially given like the social conditions there specifically and she said to me mm-hmm. she said you know and the tears are in her eyes she said to me like it wasn't his fault like it wasn't my son's fault he didn't ask for that and i was just like i was really profound i was profoundly shaken by that like really in my spirit like that really like broke my heart because i see obviously there's in in society we argue the extremes right it's only the it's the extreme voices that get the loudest attention like the the people that um you know are chant are are showing up at a, at pro abortion rallies claiming they want to use it as like a contraceptive mm-hmm. and they they love having abortions i love killing babies like we've all seen like the social clips the people that are very loud and very and that you know but it's obviously life is more nuanced than that and it's 
And most people fall into that, like 95% of people fall into that gray area category. So it's just, it was really um, sobering to me anyways, to see like a little bit of a different take. And it really opened my eyes up to realizing that it's not as comp, it's actually far more complicated, sorry, than the, the talking heads make it out to be. And it's very personal, mm. you know, um, either way, you know, because it, it seems, you know, and I feel strange even speaking on this, but to be honest, like, Yes, could there be more infrastructure? Could we provide more infrastructure for women who decide to have children outside of wedlock and outside of uh, that social safety net? Yes, certainly. However, is being born into poverty a good enough reason to not live? And I would—I don't think that that's the case either. So there has to be some sort of middle middle ground there. But anyways, this is it's a little early in the morning to be talking about abortion. <laughs> <laughs> me my, 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 my point is um yeah for abortion i i understand both sides like i understand that some are using it uh instead of contraceptive pill uh like they just get pregnant all the time and just get aborted that it's easy going thing uh, but i understand that in another way some people like sometimes you get older as a woman and you think that you will not fall pregnant, okay? And and, and mm-hmm. when that happened, you just like have like big eyes and just like, what is happening right now? Like I'm too old. What what's going on? I thought like my body would not be able to create anymore. Uh, as when you get close to menopause or you know, so right. sometimes it's just like a surprise and it's a bad surprise. You, when you get like a certain age. If you have a baby, it can have like a really bad consequences on your body, and some of the, some of the women can die as well, like having baby too right, late, right. because it right. it's not the time for having it. Like thirty or into twenty, it's probably the best time. But when you get too close to fifty and or late forty, it's not really good uh, for a woman, and it's not very good for the baby as well, like because baby can have more like. Um, uh, I, I would say genetic disease or, or other malformation or you can right. have like other disease created because the body are not as much nutritious for the baby as I say like with like nutriment or other, other stuff uh, but my point is now that that passed legally imagine some woman who was waiting for the appointment Receive a call from the clinic. Oh, I'm sorry, but um, we cannot proceed to uh, your abortion. Uh, we are sorry about right. it. And uh, so right. all these women turn to other state that need that would probably do some abortion. They call them. Right. Or oh, we are sorry, we don't have any space because everything filled up in a couple of uh, hours before, days before. Or right. so they need to travel really far away. They don't have money, so they will ask money for other people for the gas because the gas is incredible, like I. And they will need to right. travel to there to get an abortion because some people have like what I think being raped, or some people um, they met a for guy sure. that like I don't know if you know, but as a woman. I know that when you begin in life and you have like a first sexual like relation, but I would say that some guy doesn't want to wear a freaking condom 
because they don't feel right. comfortable on it or they, they, they prefer without it. And as a woman, sometimes you don't want to, to shock or make them like angry at you or, you, you know, some girl will like comply to it. And at the end, sure. who will have the consequences? It's the woman. And the woman will like destroy their life because the state say, oh, you cannot abort. But is actually the guy who put pressure to not wear a condom. Well, oh, I think that, that there's a, uh, I do think that there's a, a misconception that um, there's a stereotype or a cliche anyways, that you know, having a child is a shameful thing to do. Like somehow having a, having a child is synonymous with ruining your life and throwing your career away. And statistically, mm -hmm. if we look at, you know, GDP for household incomes, like married families with children actually tend to earn more and have more productivity than single people. So uh, it's, it's maybe inconvenient and it's scary, but the math doesn't necessarily back up that it's like a career ruiner. But when it, when it comes to the, the state specifically, it's, it's difficult because for people who actually believe like, okay, if I'm a doctor and I believe that abortion is murder, uh, especially after the first trimester, should I be forced to, to do that? I don't know. I don't think that's, that's fair. If someone truly believes that, or even as a taxpayer, like let's say if I'm a taxpayer in Texas and I believe abortion is murder, should my tax, money be going to fund something that is morally egregious to me. I don't think that that's fair either. So maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like I, this, this is something that I ask myself in BC all the time, especially with the legalization or decriminalization anyways of like heroin, crystal methamphetamines, and all of these hard drugs, which will soon be followed by government uh, legalization and distribution. Like, do I want to pay for that? No, but do I have to? Like right now I do have to because this is where I live and that's how my tax dollars are distributed, you know? So obviously it's, it's, everyone has their own, everyone has their own choices to make. We have to be accountable for the choices that, that we make and we can't, it's, it's not fair to have other people clean up after a mess. At least that's, that's where I stand on this issue. Um, it, it's, you have to be naive to think that if, if abortion is, is illegal now, somehow people won't do it. Or they won't have, they won't, they just won't have safe access to it where they where they are. So I think that the bigger battle for the pro-lifers ahead is changing the culture into, especially the, the public dialogue into thinking that yes, uh, having a child is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Because I don't, I don't think that's true. In fact, like, you know, seeing friends and family that have had unplanned pregnancies throughout different stages of life, it's always turned out for the better at the end of it. At first, it was it was scary, and they didn't know what. But you know, I'm mm -hmm. I, I, I'm I'm at least personally, and I can only speak anecdotally, but I'm hard pressed to to find people that have had uh, children that were unexpected that it was like they were you know completely ruined their life. And I don't mean like postpartum depression after one year or two years, but you know, generally life is a life is a blessing, not a sentence. At least that's how I you know choose to look at it. But again, I'm a man, and I would never. Uh, you know, everyone can make their own decision, you know, and I, and I respect that. But that also doesn't mean that um, people have to agree with the decisions that are being made. I, I will uh, do a, a really, I, you know, I'm a bi biologist and I, I study birds. But uh, I, as we see at this moment, we see a lot of inflation. So less and less opportunity to get food for the family, to get the family really well. So mother can, can choose to say I cannot afford with the cost of life to have another child it's impossible because that will 
cut the portion that we give to other children to having another one and and all of them would be miserable and my life would be miserable uh, and that it's it's the most important point because now with like all the cost of the life um, the medium medium wage people and less would not be able to afford to have so many kids now but when you look at birth because we talk about like oh humans are bad we are doing abortion and everything but birds do abortion by themselves so when they create eggs inside of their womb and they, they see that they have not enough food around them they will reserve their eggs for keeping the nutriment for the number of eggs that they will give birth so they are doing himself an abortion when they see that they cannot afford to have more baby that they did produce inside of their womb. So I think it's a natural thing to just, if you see that you cannot afford to get uh, birth, you just give it, give the children away. But that is heartbreaking because you don't know in which kind of a hand that that baby will uh, fall into or taking the decision before before like the baby is completely formed to just like say I, I cannot afford it but I can understand when it, it, it gets too too late in the trimester like when the baby is almost like form, formally to, to, to get mm -hmm. like aborted it's just why you didn't do it before Right. That is only my only question. Yeah. yeah, that's well, I think that there's, you know, there's there's so much social pressure. There's social social mm -hmm. pressure to have the child. There's social pressure to not have the child. And it's it's like and I know this is going to come off tone deaf. So to our to our female viewers, I, I apologize. But, I you know, I, I feel like as a man, um, <clears throat> we have no say in the conversation like but That's we not have true. all the accountability if if the child comes. So, for example, like if my, if I'm if I'm with my wife or my girlfriend and my girlfriend gets pregnant, she decides she doesn't want to have the child. Um, but I really want to have the child, even if she doesn't want to raise the child. I'm, I'll take full custody, full financial responsibility for that child. I have no say in that. However, if the child is is then born and I want nothing to do with that child, well, I'm still responsible for child support. So I. I don't think, um, I think, uh, and you know, it, it's, even if you expound out, if you look, I, I believe that a lot of the problems that face us social politically can come back to economics and, fa and fathering, like weak fathering, weak mothering and, and, and economics. So I think this destruction of the family home, uh, even before the baby comes, like rupturing of the nest to use like the bird analogy is uh, also, you know, critical into what, what we're facing. Um, but again, that's just my two cents, you know, like in, in, uh, in the new Testament, you know, and I understand, I understand it for like the Christian perspective, but I understand why Christians are so yeah. for a, a lot of reasons, but the idea of even in the first trimester, why it's so egregious to some, uh, very socially conservative states is, you know, the, uh, the, in, in the new Testament, it talks about, it writes about, uh, the apostle, uh, John the Baptist recognizing the, the baby, the fetus of John the Baptist jumping for joy when it recognized Jesus in Mary's belly, right? So like it's, 
I, I, I knew you and I didn't form you in your, inside your mother's womb. So that's very a part of like uh, Christian theology and, and, and ideology that life begin, begins right at conception. So that's a whole nother, you know, the States obviously isn't a theocracy, but it's as, it's as close as it gets to the West, you know, uh, in the West to a theocracy as far as like a biblical morality forming fundamental laws. So I can see why people are so upset and why they, they take it like, you know, why this is such a personal issue. Um, because there's also there's also shame built into the whole thing, right? There's people who have been on one side of the argument or others. You're going to be very hard pressed to, to find someone who hasn't been uh, hasn't been exposed or or uh, affected by abortion, whether that's them personally or someone that they love, right? So this is obviously like a very personal issue. And when we're talking about very personal issues like that. You know, it's easy for, uh, obviously, personal experience, um, shame, guilt, embarrassment, whatever else, to also build into the conversation. Um, so, I, I, you know, this is, this is like a lame answer, but I, I do feel like the only way things are ever going to change is like a, a reformation of, like, culturally around, like, our discussion and dialogue around sex, around contraception, around parenting, and what these things mean and then how to approach them responsibly, right? Um, yeah. Because, like, uh, ultimately, reproduction is a consequence of sex. You can't make a baby. Well, I guess these days you can make a baby in a test tube, but, you know, you can't fundamentally, up until very recently in human history, in, in any species, you can't really, you know, make a child without fornication. And, and you know, that's how you reproduce, right? So that is the fundamental uh, cause. At least that's that's... You know, pleasure is like it is is a bonus, you know, but if it didn't feel good, people wouldn't do it, you know. So it, I guess it's like a nature. Some say God, some say nature's built in incentive, incentive to reproduce. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. Sorry, I'm not I'm on a complete I, rabbit hole right now. <laughs> I, I come back on what you say, like that men doesn't have really their voice heard about it because it's i think it's it, you need to be both for conception yeah of course it's the women who uh, are wearing it for nine months but in the same time um the fact is women sometimes they would use the men like they will like i so many times i see a couple okay the woman is so in love and but the man is going to let her go because He, he didn't love her anymore. Oh, incidentally, she's pregnant and she will keep it and she don't let him like having any word on it. And I see like so many couples being broken. Right. They are together right. for the child, but they don't like each other. But I saw that really, really more often than we think. Broken like yeah. family. And, uh, but for, because the woman choose that, no, I want that for a couple and I want a baby with him. And so I'm going to keep it. It's not right. It's not right. Yeah. That's definitely not the best way to start a family, you know, or, no. or, or build trust or do anything, anything healthy, you know, but again, <laughs> it's like the, the, the child is the consequence of, uh, sex. So 
is 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 a life being wanted enough of a, a a deciding factor whether that life is worth living or not i think is a is a that's a, that's the question that i'm always going to come back to personally um, and and especially like i don't know if you remember but should we be like having less people hurt uh no Even we need more like people everybody. like our our birth rates our birth rates are falling off a cliff right now in the West. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I have this, I have a theory, you know, if you look at um, all of these progressive agendas, right, whether it would be the trans agenda or the LGBTQ agenda or the, the pro, uh, in some ways, usurp the pro, the pro-choice agenda or uh, the hard, the hard drug initiative or uh, having dual incomes, you know, all of these things uh, decrease birth rate. Like all of these things decrease birth rate. So if as soon as birth rate starts to slump, productivity starts to stump, starts to slump, and the economy starts to slump. So the only way that you can prop up that economy is by bringing in, you know, mass amounts of immigrants who have who are socially conservative, who do procreate and who do have children, to then bolster the the failing economy because the the resident population isn't isn't having kids. And the, th the crazy thing about the birth rate is it only takes one generation for things to fall off the cliff and go terribly bad. Right? And we saw that with China's one-child policy, how they did that. And then things went terribly for them. And now they're trying to create all these incentives so people have, will have children because, you know, if there's, no, if there's no workforce, productivity stops. So I think Canada is definitely going to see the effects of that. And I think we already are seeing the effects of that, to be honest. But, Sorry, were the you talking about something else? I, no, but it, the climate change agenda, like, uh, to, because we are too many people on Earth, so we are using too fast their resources on Earth, so we will reach, like, the end of our research, so resources uh, very soon. So we need to be less right. people on Earth for using less of our natural resources. It's not a thing that has been, like, around since a while like that we should be less people and now they are banning abortion so it's just like i think it's just two ideology that's controversial yeah. yeah all of these progressive global uh, climate change especially to all of these agendas are just uh, encouraging people to not have children encouraging people to to not procreate i'll share i'll share an anecdote with you last year Uh, Dre and I covered one of these uh, extinction uh, rebellion protests at the Lionsgate Bridge in Vancouver, which is the main bridge downtown. And it's funny because anyway, Trudeau and, and Singh and these, they have nothing to say about these, you know, progressive protests, but as soon as it's a conservative one. But anyway, so these guys shut down the bridge and I was speaking to one of the organizers. His name was Tilikum Tom, 60 year old guy. He's been a green, he was a member of Greenpeace and he's been an, uh, an eco Uh, eco-protester, eco-ally, as he put it, for basically his whole life. And uh, he, I, was, I was asking him, like, why are you out here today? He's like, I'm out here for my son. And I'm like, okay, do tell. He's like, well, my son, is he's 21 years old. He's a brilliant guy. And he said to me some, something a couple days ago just broke my heart. And I'm like, well, what's that? He's like, dad, I don't want to have kids because I don't want to bring children into this mess of a world that's going to you know, end in 10 years because of climate change or whatever else. And this guy has like tears in his eyes as he's telling me this, right? And the thing is, it's like Tilikum Tom, this Tom guy, because of the rhetoric from the far left, because of this climate change rhetoric, 
he's never going to be a grandfather. So because of that, he feels so much pain for this environment, this social environment that he actually created within his own family, the seed of doubt that he planted within the heart of his son that his son doesn't even want to procreate. His son will never experience the joy of fatherhood. And because of that, Tom will never experience the joy of being a grandfather. And ultimately, if we're not bringing new people into this world, who's going to change it? Who's going to be the person to yeah. cure cancer? Who's going to be the people to reform our government? Who's, you know, like who are going to be the great minds in, in the tech and in, in technological evolution for good? If we're not having children, no one will do that. That won't happen ultimately, you know? So it's uh, it was, it's really sad. He couldn't, you know, sometimes we're so close. We can't see the forest from the trees. We can't figure out, you know, and he was so wrapped up into it. He's so gung ho on this ideology that he can't see that it's his own ideology that's contributing to the sorrow that he feels. It's not the world's fault. It's not everybody else's fault. It's what he clings on to and believes so much that it's actually like destroying his family. It's really heartbreaking, you know. But uh, I think this that's is uh, really sad. Liberal cities, coastal cities are falling victim to that. This idea that you know having a child is a, is an awful thing. It's a it's a curse instead of a blessing. It's better to focus on your career 100%. And um, this, this idea that gen, gender isn't uh, gender binary is, is a social construct. Like all these things, they all they all contribute to not procreating, to not having children, and to not experiencing what a family is. And a lot of these ideas are being championed by people that come from broken families and ultimately hurt people, hurt people, right? So it's it's just I don't know. It, it hits a, it hits a tender chord in me because I've seen. Like I see how people's lives change when, when they become parents. I see how they, they enter like the second gear. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that every child is – obviously, that's not to say that every child comes in like a perfect circumstance. you know. But at the same time, maybe there needs to be more reverence around what sex is and how we, how we respect our mm -hmm. bodies and who we decide to share our bodies with, which is the most personal thing I believe that we can do. And, and having the ability to create life is just such a, an amazing thing. So, anyways. No, but I, I understand perfectly what you say. And uh, that story is really, oof, it's really sad. Yeah. But And I think that's a, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of people feel this way, right? Why should I bring a child into the world when it's just going to melt or the economy is ending or whatever else? And it's like, ultimately, it's, it's such a, how, imagine waking up every day feeling that way. Viewing the world yeah. through that lens that everything is over, you know, there's nothing that we can do to make it better. And, and oh, what a terrible way to live your life, you know, and, and at the very least, at the very least, I think these, these politicians and these corporations that are championing these messages um, without any accountability, um, they're responsible for literally like robbing people of, of their joy and their future because they're planting these ideas. And at least, you know, I, On the, on the centrist conservative side of the aisle, I, I see more hope, you know, like we need, if we roll up our sleeves and work hard, we can make things better. But I don't, I don't see that from the left. I see this is your fault. Everything's going to hell. The world's on fire. So, well, that's not a very inspiring message, you know, and obviously we're going to see people reacting the way they are, violent, violent protests, uh, divisive narratives, uh, hateful rhetoric, etc. because they don't believe in the future. They don't believe that there's anything There's no hope for them. There's no joy for them. So what do you expect, you know? Because my, my, what I saw so far, like, since I would say 
especially like during the pandemic, but a little bit before too. But polarization is getting like so high. It's so crazy how people are thinking two opposite way. And I, I don't know how, how you make that happen to have like really two sides that is completely not capable to talk to each other. It's just impossible. The, their mindset is just black, you know? Usually debate make it like more gray zone that you can discuss, have some opinion, you know, like it was when I was younger, like we were always capable to discuss about issue, topic or other stuff. But now it's just like, no. I know what yeah. I want, and I know what I'm thinking, and I know I'm right, so shut up. Mm-hmm. And you have no possibility to discuss to nobody anymore. And this is the most scary thing that I saw so far rising in Canada. Yeah. I think that there's, uh, I personally think that there's two contributing factors to this, uh, this current state where we can't have conversations or, or be accepting or tolerant of people with other views. Um, firstly, um, if a country, Canada has no national identity, right? If you look at like the, some, like a country like the United States, let's say in like the 60s, 70s, 80s, even earlier than that, it was built on this idea of like a Judeo-Christian framework. So meaning uh, the law on the land is, is biblical morality. So whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, the way that we relate with one another is based on the, on these rules. So and everyone could agree on that, right? But as it's it's kind of like a game of Jenga, right? So if that's like a foundational block, and then you pull that block from the base, it may seem like things are getting higher, but in fact it's weaker, right? The foundation is mm-hmm. shakier. Mm-hmm. So I think we're at a point now where we can't agree on what is right and what is wrong and what the truth is. And we're all fundamentally starting on a different playing field. So there isn't anything really in common for us to, 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 for us, like there's no middle ground, there's no commonplace because now political issues or social issues are being conflated as moral issues or they're religious. They're, they're, um, yeah, essentially like wokeism is an, is a progressivism is a religion, right? So that's, that's mm-hmm. the conversation that we're having now, and there's nothing in common. And also, this, these things are exacerbated by a decline in quality of life. So as people, as everything becomes less affordable, uh, the political divide goes further and further and further. And ultimately, a lot of these issues are being driven economically, mm-hmm. right? Um, because people are, it's harder for them to get by. So they feel further strained. And the reality is, like, Oftentimes, people that are on the very far right spectrum and the very far left spectrum actually have more in common with each other than people in the middle because the people that are on the far left and the far right are usually the downtrodden in society. They're usually socially mm-hmm. outcasted. They're usually, um, you know, dis- they're usually struggling financially. They, 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 they find no place in society. They find no way to get, get ahead. But in the age of social media now, those voices have the loudest megaphones. So even though they don't represent the people in the middle that actually have more in common than not have in common with one another, these are the voices that dominate culture. And then our politicians and the grifters and the corporations take advantage of these talking points, Mm -hmm. cultural hegemony, which is like Marxism 101. And then that becomes, you know, that that's the diatribe. But 
that just spreads division further and further and further. And I think that's where we're at right now in 2022. And that's why reasonable people are getting swept up into all of this nonsense on the news. That's why people can watch the news and think that, oh my, oh my God, there's Nazis in Ottawa. It's like, well, no, there, there isn't, you know, there really isn't, but it's like, that's the echo chamber, you know? Yeah. It's so wild. we have the, the, the people who actually believe really well in the mainstream and the people who just realize that they have been like people like mainstream was lying for a while and politician too. And they just raise their voice. It's like being really angry about it. So it's probably why mm -hmm. now we see like that kind of polarization that people were so sure that everything that been done during the pandemic saved their life. And you have the other side where you see like, that is a scam. Like why, right. I, why people have like locked me down in my economy that now I, I need to suffer from inflation and consequences on mental illness. And, and now we see the disaggregation of the society going faster and faster. So we see some people who are raising their voice against and the other one that raised their voice for it. So it's just, Just, it's probably why we see like as much deep polarization. But anyway, we did talk a lot about the things that now it's already like uh, five before one. So um, we have oh, wow. a couple of chat. Uh, should, should we uh, <laughs> begin by uh, Fraser? Fraser is say, talking about government incompetence, have you any news on the church fire and who is responsible for setting these fire? Or is, is it move on? Nothing to see here. Is it Kamloops here? Um, you, you went on the ground there. Maybe you're, you're better than me yeah. to answer to that. Yeah, so Dre and I went back to Kamloops, uh, to Kamloops Shwetmuk uh, First Nation and the Kamloops Indian School. Uh, and we actually shot quite a lengthy report. You can expect a full-length documentary coming back in the, in the following weeks. Um, the narrative that was blasted on a huge megaphone for the whole world is quite different than the one that's being subtly, subtly uttered. So, um, you know, most people think it's, it's quite different than what's actually developing. Um, the, the, church, the church fires uh, that took place first in the Okanagan and then all over the country, it's hard to persecute Those. I mean, we can obviously see what the motivation is, um, but any sort of uh, proof that these are all affiliated um, or they're definitely correlated, but that they're, they're affiliated. I haven't seen any police development on that. Um, but, you know, again, anecdotally, after being in, the, in Okanagan and visiting some of these sites and seeing, you know, these were functioning. A lot of them were functioning churches uh, that had indigenous congregants. Um, so people the, the word on the grounds it seemed to feel like people felt it was it was bad actors that were not actually from the reserve that were going around built burning these at least in the okanagan um but again uh, to my awareness there hasn't been any uh, arrests uh that's a yeah. pretty good like uh, complete answer though <laughs> thank you for the five dollars um We have Aquaski 36, $36. Thank you. Manitoba government will not repair the badly vandalized Queen Victoria. She was against slavery segregation. No one will be charged 
though they know who fit this all involved. Oh, what do you have yeah, to I mean, add about this? There was hundreds of angles of who, you know, of the protests that pulled those down. And if they wanted to persecute, I'm sure they could. Um, but, you know, ultimately, ultimately, our Canadian politicians, especially our progressive Canadian politicians, saw this uh, Kamloops school uh, disclosure as an opportunity for Canada to have its very own George Floyd BLM moment. And they ran with it. And it dominated our news cycle. It dominated in the middle of a pandemic. Our prime minister calls an election and our election dialogue and debate is completely dominated by the Kamloops narrative and reparation with very little talk about our failing economy, very little talk about affordability, very little talk about uh, actual in, uh, environmental issues rather than just like platitudes and talking points. And it worked for them. And, you know, now that it's done and now that they've been reelected, even the, even the promises that were made to these these uh, these bands, like, for example, the Kamloops Indian School, they were promised twenty seven million dollars to come tribe uh, for um, uh, mental health and job stimulus. And they still haven't received a penny of that. So, you know, again, it's the government just playing people against each other and, and benefiting off of it. So I don't think that we will see arrests because. The Queen, Queen Victoria getting knocked down in Manitoba benefited the media. It benefited the liberals. They took advantage of it. And now that's it. We move on. You know? So I don't think that we'll see anything come of it personally. Too expensive to replace. Um, what? Uh, have you seen what they put in Montreal? Like they put a big like freaking uh, a ring, a big ring in the air that costs like a couple of million of dollars. And that represents nothing. And I was right. like, this money can go maybe to help citizens with like inflation or maybe like for like the gas or something like that. But no, they put like a massive ring. Look, do, do you wow. see it on your screen? This is... Oh my goodness, yeah. Why? Why? Like, I was, I was shocked. I was like, what's the point to put that? And that... Especially because you have no no meaning, no no re representation. Yeah, Me, I would be more scared that that ring like fell on my head. But yeah, <laughs> um, I, I'm not going like to say I'm going to see the massive ring when I see like right. how many the money they spend for that instead of the mm -hmm. of the citizen who are suffering right now. I just blew my mind. But anyway, Fraser. Send us another uh, chat. One dollar is thing. Oh no, it's Aquaski first. One dollar is first. Um, thank you very much, Aquaskis. Thank you. Um, she just wanted to thank us. Thank you, you. Thank you. Uh, nice. She said thank you <laughs> to you both. <laughs> That's very nice. Thank you, uh, Fraser. One dollar is. Thank you, Fraser. Um, if you're going to be sexually active, then use the pill. I agree. Or yeah. like now you have feel for men. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah I, th I think that's great. I think, you know, it doesn't always work. No, that's the issue. I think a lot yeah. of people do use it. It doesn't always work. But. Because yeah, you I know, was watching uh, one pill that, that I'm taking and it's made by Pfizer. And I was like, should I really take that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm boycotting anything Pfizer forever. 
for the rest of my life. Yeah. So. Yeah, Pfizer is everywhere. Uh, we have another one. It's from King7734. One dollar is thank you, King. For Alexa, tabarouette. Hola. Oui, tabarouette. <laughs> oh, by the way, it's Quebec Day, so... Uh, bonne fête du Québec pour toutes les Québécois qui nous regardent. Uh, so, yeah, it's Quebec Day today, so every every shop is slow. So um, I'm trying to get milk this morning and I was really pain to find a place open. <laughs> I, I think it's only in Quebec that this day it's really a celebration. I don't think uh, nobody else uh, celebrates that in Canada. So I can, we don't celebrate. Ontario Day, but we don't really celebrate Canada Day because it's the moving day for Quebec uh, people. So uh, for everybody from Canada, if you end up to Canada, uh, Canada Day in Quebec province, you will see a lot of moving truck. And don't be surprised, it's normal. <laughs> <laughs> it's not because everybody is running away. <laughs> Well, they can't. They can't so go I, anywhere. They can't get a passport anyways, so they're stuck. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for uh, doing this with me today, Alexa. I really appreciate it, and uh, your your graciousness of, around the, the sensitive debate and topic that dominated our live stream today. Thank you for humoring me. You're a sweetheart as always. So, and happy Quebec Day to you. Uh, thank you, Matt. You know, like. I'm always talking about you, how talented you are. I hope that all our viewers know that Matt is a really talented uh, singer. And if you didn't like check what he's doing, it's, it's, it, this is really just incredible. Uh, seriously, it, everybody needs to see like Matt Brever, Brevner. Uh, may I have all your playlists on my Spotify. I find like your vision of uh, what is going on. It's uh, really well done and uh you're smart you're smart oh thank you and you're well spoken yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> so now i'm going to send you some flower oh i will yeah it's, it's always nice to get your flowers while you're still alive right so i'll i'll take that thank yeah exactly you. i really appreciate that yeah take it because you will not receive much <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> all right and thanks but, to everybody tuning in on the live stream on all the different uh, networks and uh We will be back on Monday. Yes. Uh, ciao, everybody. We love you. See you soon. We love you. Take care. Did not uh, put any uh, undue influence or pressure. It is extremely important to highlight that it is only um, it is only the RCMP. It is only police uh, that determine what and when to release information. Uh, the commissioner's statement, the minister's statement, were very clear on that. And yes, I still. Uh, very much have support, have uh, confidence in, in Commissioner Lucky.